Raising black children in the United States can be really scary. And as a black mother, I realized I was parenting from fear. And I wanted to make a commitment to parent for liberation. You are listening to the Parenting for Liberation podcast. I am your host, Trina Green-Brown. Each episode, I'm joined by other Black parents, and we discuss our journeys to push past our fears to raise our beautiful Black children to be whole, free, and liberated. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. Hey, y'all, it is the end of February, Black History Month and Valentine's Day, and we are entering into March, which is the month of women's history. And this episode is a combination of all of those things. It is blackness, womanhood, and self-love. This conversation is with two of my good friends who are both mothers um, Nicole D. Vick and Nomsa Kalfani. Actually, Nicole is an author as well, and she invited Nomsa and I to be on her show to talk about self care as a revolutionary act. And she really referenced Audre Lorde's quote Caring for myself is not self indulgence, it is self preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. So join this Friday night conversation with some amazing black women um, just talking about what it means to take care of ourselves as mothers across different generations and three different decades coming together. It was a beautiful conversation rooted in love, community, and sisterhood. Hope you enjoy. So before we dig into this conversation, how are you? Nomsa, how are you doing right now in this moment? Well, right now in this moment is a good question. Right now in this moment, I I'm exhausted. Um, I'm exhausted. It's been it's been a long week. It is what February twelfth, and part of me feels like, ooh, twenty twenty has come in with a bang. I am tired already. Uh, I, I'm just trying to take it one day at a time. One you day know- at a time. Here. My daughter had a funny saying. We were talking about this the other day. She said, I don't think 2020 left. I think this is 2020 plus right now. We still, this is like a two year year. <laughs> but Trina, how are you doing right now? You know, funny, said 2020. I'm like, wait, ain't it 2021? <laughs> <laughs> That's how it feels. It feels like um, 2020 didn't end. I feel tired. Um, yeah, I feel like there's just not enough hours in the day for all the things. And I feel like the world and work hasn't realized like we're in a pandemic. It's like the deliverables are still there. The to do's are still there. But it's like we're in a pandemic. Does anyone else know that? <laughs> right. Like Memo, did you get the news? That part. From that? <laughs> that part. Right there. That part. Yes. And, and to all the listeners and watchers today, you notice we all got our Afrocentric outfits on because it is still Black History Month, okay? Um, Black History 365, to be perfectly honest, but we decided we was going to represent for the culture tonight as we talk about self-care, self-love, being political warfare, um, and, and really how we can focus and recenter ourselves. So the idea for this came from that quote from Audre Lorde, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. Now, 
the first time I heard that, I was like, whoa, that's that's real strong. That's like, we're not playing with you. <laughs> this is serious business and that we should be really intentional about taking care of ourselves. So I want to ask both of you this uh, this morning. Oh, my goodness. I must still be thinking I'm at work or something. I don't know. <laughs> this evening, for most women, self-care is usually just a spa day, uh, a staycation, a girl's night out. For Black women, it is much more than a selfish moment away from our families and our responsibilities. Why is self-care important for Black women? Ooh, for our survival, for to, to continue. And I think I want to rephrase something a little bit. Black women don't take enough time for themselves. I think we have been raised or the message that has been given to us is we need to be strong because we are protectors, the the confidence, the, you know, we are the social worker for the neighborhood, our friends. And because of that, we're so busy taking care of those around us, being everything to everybody. We don't take time for ourselves and we wear down. So our health doesn't get taken care of like it should. And it's like a privilege to have a spa day or a girl's trip. And I think now more than ever, chapter 51 for me, I really feel like it is time to do everything that I can that makes me feel good and not feel selfish for wanting some me time. Because we are looked at, you know, a little sideways when you want to have your me time. (laughs) No, you're supposed to do all this other stuff. And it's like, me time can be in my room by myself. It could be writing in my journal. It could just be me laying in the bed in my pajamas, catching up on whatever, but whatever soothes you, whatever makes your heart jump and you feel good with not the pressures of everything else, that's what we need to figure out how to create that balance because the other stuff is going to still be there. Right. Trina, what do you think? I mean, yeah, no, I'm so 51 look good on you. I will just want to just say, um, <laughs> and, um, I think that, I mean, that the fact that you, you know, amazing, I think that is what we believe. Like, black women, we look good and we do everything, we can carry everything and still be fly, fabulous, and all of that. And we can, but at what cost? At what cost to our bodies? At what cost to our mental health? At what cost to our own wellness? And so I know that like there's all these experiences of weathering, like the impact on our body physically, right? Black women have a lot of different health needs. Um, and I know I'm talking to my public health people, so you can probably rattle off statistics better than I. Um, but yeah, we really need to create the space. And as the quote by Audre Lorde says, it's for our own self-preservation. I believe she wrote that quote um, in a in a book called Her Cancer Journals. So she was she was going through cancer. She was like, in order for me to survive and to live, I actually have to take care of myself. And so I just think about sometimes we, as black women, we sometimes wait until like, there is, like it's the last straw, like we have to take care of ourselves. And I don't want us to wait till it's the last, like, okay, I don't take this break today. I'm going to have a breakdown. Like I want us to be able to do that. It has to be more, um, more stable, like more regular, you know, not like, it's been a whole month and I haven't done anything. Let me wait till the last day of the month. Like how can we make it a regular part of our routine, a regular part of our life is to take care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Now the concept of weathering, you brought that up and and I've heard that term before. 
And I think, you know, we can talk a little bit about this um, before we move on to the next question. So it's this idea, you know, we always hear black don't crack, right? That, you know, oh, you, for real, you 95? Yeah, look like you're 25, right? And, and we take pride in that. We tend to take a lot of pride in that. But the reality is we may look good on the outside because we know how to we know how to make it work, make it do what it do. Um, but what happens is on the inside is where that weathering is happening. We're really wearing down our systems. And, and as a public health professional, as you mentioned before, you know, we start to see that in our statistics. We start to see things like high um, black more infant mortality and maternal mortality rates. We see the high rates of diabetes and all the other things that are really caused by that high burden of stress on us. And so it's not just about, you know, um, you know, oh, we take a spa day because we just need to go do something. It's really about, as you said, about saving our lives. Um, so I did some some research in preparation for for tonight. And actually, I think it's going to be linked to what we just talked about. Um, this is what I read. Um, Self-care has its radical and political roots in the civil rights and women's rights movements, where, quote, women and people of color viewed controlling their health as a corrective to the failures of a white patriarchal medical system to properly tend to their needs. And I think that kind of ties in with what we were just talking about. Any any thoughts on that? Um, there's plenty of examples of you know, forced sterilizations. I just talked about our high infant and maternal mortality rates. There's so many things that we can, you know, list down the line. Um, I just want to hear your 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 thoughts on that. And, and again, why it's not just about a spa day, why it is really about keeping us here um, and, and helping us be sane. Well, Nicole, you just mentioned, you know, that you think about the healthcare system in, in, in general. It's not been our friend, right? And we didn't always have access. So think about it when you're little, when you're growing up, either you had an auntie or somebody in the family that made concoctions. <laughs> you name it, they put it together that could fix everything. You know, there's always something herbals, whatever. So I think you have this wave of folks that at one point were really being more holistic medicines and those things. So they weren't trusting what was happening in the healthcare system, right? So we created or used, went to other sources for our care. And I think that still exists now, right? And some of us you know, we'll trust what's happening in the Western medicine, but then we have others that do not trust that. And we'll use other things and refer to other folks for our care. So it's not always, you know, if you have it, you will use it. But then some of us have it and don't use it, right? Because you're not treated well. You're not treated with respect. And I think sometimes that also plays into how often we seek care. Good point. Yeah. <coughs> Now we can't hear Trina no more. What happened? <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, white supremacy mute me enough. I don't need to press the mute button no more. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I think what Nomsa and Sharon is definitely right. I think um, when we look at the history of the medical industrial complex, as a lot of folks refer to it, it has never really been kind to black people. It's often experimented on us. You know, I think about Henrietta Lacks, how her cells have been used and recycled and used and exploited um, to treat to, to treat cancer, right? When I think about the origins of the OBGYN field, right? That they experimented on black enslaved women 
um, without anesthesia, right? When I think about the pap smear, that was done by, or no, the C-section, right? Like that was through experimentation on black enslaved women. And so, so this, the medical industrial complex has never been, you know, kind to us. And so there's a lot of mistrust. And because of that, that leads to us like not going to the doctor to get checked on and things of that nature. And so I do want to honor like the incredible work of doulas and midwives and like all of the me- medical folks in our community, right? Like our grandmothers, our foremothers who, who, like you said, they were the, the healers, right? They were the nurses. Um, and I also think about other movements. Like when I think back to the Black Panther Party, like they were like the medical industrial complex doesn't take care of our people. So we will. So they set up the vaccination. Um, you know, right. they had nurses and clinic sessions where they would give folks vaccines. And that was more trusted because it was black medical professionals. And there was just a level of trust. And so our community has always had to come together to provide those solutions for each other. And so when I think about self-care, you know, we've been talking about it as self, but we've also, as a community, talk about it as community care, right? Like that we have each other, we take care of each other. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really excited. You mentioned doulas and midwives. I'm really excited to sort of see this resurgence. I don't think it ever really went away, but I feel like it's kind of come back to light where more people are seeking those services. I'm hearing of friends that are like, I am pregnant. I am not having that baby in the hospital. I'm having that baby right here in my house. And you know, back in the day that was taboo. Uh-uh, you shouldn't do that. But I'm like, yes, <laughs> at least you know where you are. You, you, you got your husband here, you, you, your family's here, and you, you know you're going to be all right at home. So it's it's really, uh, I think for me, encouraging to see uh, that shift back to some of the things that we knew to be true, that we knew that worked and were effective for us. So yeah, this this is great. Um, Trina, you wrote an amazing book called Parenting for Liberation, A Guide for Raising Black Children. Um, talk to us a bit about the book and can you talk about the importance self, of self-care for mothers? All of us here are mothers now. Some of us, are children that's grown and they out the house or they still in the house, but they grown. And, but um, <laughs> you, you have a younger child and, and just talk about why it's important for moms and fathers. But even, you know, we really want to talk about today. But moms, um, why it's important for them to practice self-care and, and, and what some of the barriers are for mothers of younger children? What should they be thinking about? Mm, that's really good. Yeah. So the book, I have my copy to show folks. Yeah. Um, so I wrote the book and it's broken down into three chapters or three sections, really. Um, and the first section is about the self. So it's a parenting book. I've already even started talking about here's what you can do with your child. And here's some practices, and some, tri- um, some tips about how to engage with your child. The first the first section of the book, the first six to seven stories in the book are really focused on the self, right? So before we can practice being liberated in our parenting and show up whole for our children, we have to do our own healing work. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to tap into like, what are our triggers? Um, what are the things that help provide us like health and wellness and, and mental like calm? Like what are those tips for those parts of ourselves. We also talk about like going back and mothering ourselves. Like there's sometimes that some folks haven't, you know, like you may have not been parented the way that you needed. Your inner girl, your inner boy, your inner child might need some love. And so we spend the first chapters of the book really talking about what are the ways that you can heal and love on your inner child. Before you can be the best parent, you have to be whole. Um, and so that's how the book is broken down. So it's self, then child, and then community, which kind of gets back to what I shared a little bit about how do we do this in community so that parents don't feel isolated, so they don't feel like 
I'm the only person that are taking care of these children that they feel like there are other people that they can lean on to give them support, right? The African proverb is it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and here in the States, like it's very isolated, like, you know, it's your little nuclear family. And really the book is really encouraging people to like branch out, manage your nuclear family, get those aunties and uncles and play cousins and let them like be a part of your village to help you support, you know, yourself and raise these children. Okay, so I don't know about you, Nosa, but I feel like I should have had that book uh, about 23, 24 years ago. <laughs> because I think, as, especially for me, I was a teen mom. Like, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, a lot of that would have been really, really helpful um, in, in guiding, you know, this whole idea of how to mother yourself. Like, maybe you didn't feel like you got the childhood that you should have gotten. And, and even really being able to, you know, Think about that. Like some people don't even get to that level of, of being able to of self-aware enough to be like, dang, I don't think I was raised the way that I should have been. And I need to forgive them and forgive me and move forward like that. A lot of that is, is missing for a lot of people. So I, that's amazing. Nosa, have you had any um, experiences or thoughts about, you know, as you were raising um, your daughter, Mayanna, you know, self-care, did you carve time out for yourself? How did, or did you teach her about those concepts? I'm really just interested in hearing about how we all kind of implement those types of things in our lives as moms. You know, going back to something Trina just says, and says it takes a village. I never, I had Mayanna, I was 23, about to be 24. I never felt like I was alone. You know, I had my mom, I had aunts, I had cousins, I had close girlfriends, uh, my aunt is godmother. So I never felt like I was alone. And I felt like I had others to help me, right? So it's like, I she knew I was her mama, but I also knew my mom, you know, was going to step in, my aunts, my cousins. So I felt like I had extended family supporting me all while I was pregnant and afterwards. So in terms of just thinking about time for me, I feel like I got time to do that, right? Because her godmother would come and get her or my aunt would watch her so I could run errands. And, you know, that may not seem like self-care, but sometimes just being able to be with adults or away is enough time for you to, you know, get yourself back together. And I think we have gone through this shift of, you know, that family of origin. You know, whether it is the mom and child or mom and partner and child, it's like that is family, it. <clears throat> so extended, extended, fam extended family is cut off. And I think yeah. that, that's the problem <laughs> is when we cut off extended family or create new family, right? So it, it doesn't have to all be blood. I think we have all created um, extended family because like, Nicole, you family. It's like, you know, it's like, you are family. Um, and you had said something earlier about Trina. And I feel like I've watched, had the opportunity to like watch Trina grow up and become, you know, wife and see her with her son and daughter. So it's like we, yeah. and, and so it's like you get to watch and be in. And I feel like if you called me for something, if I could do it, I'm there. If I don't have it, I'm going to figure out how we get it. But we lose that sometimes in just the way cities are designed and work and all this other stuff. We lose that touch in com of community. And I think we just have to we need to work harder to bring that back, um, because I grew up 
going to my aunt's house and everybody watched us. All the adults watched us. Small sat in the window and watched the street and you knew she was going to call to tell somebody if you did something you wasn't supposed to do. (laughs) And, you know, you were afraid of other adults. They could chastise you. They can get you straight. You know, that stuff don't happen no more because people are, you know, somebody might fight you saying something crazy to their kid or, you know, or saying something to them that they think is crazy and you're trying to help. But if there's ways for us to bring that energy back, I really want that for us. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I had a similar situation when my daughter was born. My mom was like, leave her here. Go back to school. Do what you need to do. Dad was there. Everybody was there. Her her dad's side of the family. Um, and so even though I felt super lost and, you know, very unprepared, um, definitely had that sense of community. And even as when I was growing up, I had a similar childhood to you. Like everybody's watching. You didn't really ever feel like you were left out to be alone. So I think motherhood, parenthood, um, is it sometimes can be hard to carve out that time for self-care. But, you know, it is important. And as you said, if you, even if you can just hand your child off a, a day, a, a half a day and go do something by yourself, it, it makes a big difference. And I think it kind of settles you down and, and centers you. And then you're able to be, your, you know, rela- relaxed and rested. And then now you can be mom, um, auntie or whoever you need to be to that child. Because if you're stressed and busy, that's when it's like, I ain't got, you know, what, what you want now? You know, that's what <laughs> And then the kid is like, I don't know what's going on, you know, and then then unfortunately for children, they don't understand things. They make up their own understanding of what's going on, which could be totally wrong, totally incorrect, but they don't understand. And so, yeah, I think it's really, really, really important. Um, Any other thoughts about barriers, Trina, ways that parents can something, maybe some tidbits from your book without telling that without telling everything they should buy your book. But a little tidbit about (laughs) what parents can do. I really like that idea of mothering. Like, what? Did, how do you figure out that you didn't get the childhood you needed, and now, what, how do you move forward in that? Yeah, no, that's really, that's a really big part of the book. The book is really targeting black parents, black families, and so there's so much in the history of you know the like all the history that I talked about with the medical industrial complex. That same history exists in the way that we parent, or the ways that we were limited and not allowed to parent our children from enslavement to today. And so we talk talking about post-traumatic slave syndrome and what the impact of enslavement was on parenting and how that restricted um, those bonds and that connection because of the fear of having your child sold or murdered or all of the things. And so how that actually disrupted some of those connections and bonds. And so, so really trying to be really intentional about when we are triggered or frustrated or angry or upset, like, How can we take a beat and pause and reflect on, is it because of my kid right now or is it something else that's really got me upset and in my feelings? And how can I not take that out on my child? And so really inviting folks to give themselves grace. You know, we're not going to get it right all the time. I'm not an expert. I say all the time. Um, Similar to Nomsa, I have my child at 25. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, (laughs) which is why the book came because I wanted to, I started to talk to other parents. Like, how are you doing this? Like, what are the tips? And so really the voices of other black parents is in my book, right? I've interviewed, um, there's 20 different stories and they're not all mine. So I really wanted to amplify the voices of many black parents who are raising liberated children and are really, um, you know, reflecting on how can they learn new ways of, of, of parenting and, and, and all in that parenting ourselves. So thanks. Amazing. 
I'm so excited about that. Um, did I buy a copy? I think I, I did. Yes, I have one. I was like, did I buy one? I do have one. Oh, good, good. Awesome. So, um, and kind of switching a little bit about uh, my book that I wrote, Pushing Through, Finding the Light in Every Lesson. Mm-hmm. I talked about my struggles with body positivity and my self-image. And in a lot of ways, it had to do a lot with, you know, how I decided to take care of myself, whether I love myself or not. All that stuff is kind of all mixed in together. The day I threw the scale away because I was tired of feeling a certain way because the numbers wasn't right. You know, God dang it, why this, this is supposed to say something else. And I'm literally like angry um, and throwing the scale away or, you know, my choice in men and, and, and all that really had to kind of originated from how I valued myself, how I loved myself, um, whether or not I took care of myself and and how I found myself working through that and really thinking about, I have to do better, not just for me, because of course, at that time I was a mother, I have to do this for her because I have to show her that she is valuable and therefore then she can operate in a certain way. When you realize you have value, you move a little differently through life. And I, I think you both would agree with that. Um, you know, it, it's all connected to self-care. I just can remember again, making some really bad choices, being a very smart woman. I still think I'm a smart woman, but sure enough, be choosing some wrong. I'm like, what, what the hell is this person that I'm with? And why am I with this person? But again, it was just me not recognizing my value um, and, and acting accordingly. And until I realized differently, it was like, oh, okay. I don't know if any of you have had that journey where you didn't have such a high perception of yourself um, and, and therefore some of your life decisions were um, not the best and, and how you kind of pushed through. <laughs> Push through. Uh-huh. I like so I'm going to let y'all, let's talk about that because that's a big one too. Parenthood, relationship, all that. Mm-mm, let's talk. So, Nicole, before either one of us answer that question, I actually want to throw it back to you. I'm curious about, you know, you talked about body positivity, right? And, and understanding your wealth, your, your valuing your wealth as, as, a, as a full whole person. What was the, you know, and you gave us examples. When you think about now with all the images that get thrown out, right, of beauty and the standards and how you should look. And now you see everybody with all the body augmentations um, everywhere. And it's like, for me, sometimes I'm like, whoa, how you doing <laughs> that, girl? But anyway, what, like, what's your, like, uh, what's the, the take home message, right? What is it that when you think of yourself as mom, messages to, to Andrea, what is the like main core message folks need to understand when it comes to really just like loving your body flaws and all? I think the key message for me has been, I only got this one body. This is the only one I got. I can't trade it. I can't do, you know, I can, you know, alter it, but I can't trade it in for something else. And so the key to happiness for me is to love myself as I stand here today. Now, 
Does that mean I can't change it? I can change if I want to change, if I want to do something different for myself, that's fine too. But until then, I need to be okay with where I am today, with how I look, how I sound, what I'm thinking about, this body, all this, all of it. And I think it was really important for me, um, especially for my daughter, because I was like, I need Andrea to know that she is okay as is. And and that it is still okay that if you want to do something different, you can. But you know, it was a series of of those small lessons in life that I had, that, that light and those little lessons that I had that shaped that realization. It wasn't waking up one day like, I really love myself. It didn't just happen like that. It never does. It is a series of events. It's that day throwing that scale out the window. It's trying Lindora three, four, five times. It's on weight, getting on Weight Watchers. It's all these weird things that I was trying to do to fit some sort of standard that somebody said was the, the right way to be. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense anymore. It doesn't make sense to fight yourself when you are ultimately all that you have. You can't. Like you gotta be like what's that Beyonce song? I'm my own best friend. You you have to be because at the end of the day, it's just you, me, myself, and I. And so I think that's kind of where I ended up. But it was a, it was a it was a journey because, like I said, I was looking for validation outside of myself from men, waiting for them to you know give me that you're good. And I was seeking that and literally like waiting for that. And it got to a point where it's like. Why the hell am I wasting my time trying to force somebody to want me when I don't even want me? Right. And so it was that light bulb moment. Um, and, and that was when it was like, I, I can't do this no more. And surprisingly, I was not 25 when I figured that out. I was probably about 30, 36, 37. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But however you get it, however you figure it out, whenever you figure it out, it's, it's all good as long as you figure it out and it makes sense for you. So, yeah, it's, it's been interesting, but I, I'm glad that I figured it out and have been able to. And I hope I am. I, I'm not to ask her one day. Hopefully I've been a good role model to to my child, because I think it's really, really important. The kids got to know um, so they can get you know, get on the right foot and, and not have to struggle. I, I don't want her to struggle like I did. Um, so yeah, that's, whoo, that's where it is. <laughs> now, yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I think you're a good example. I mean, I, you know, of course, you know, I'm a little biased, but I think you are a good example of loving yourself and being comfortable in your own skin. Cause I think that is such a struggle, right? Is being comfortable with your own skin. Yeah. And we get so many messages that tell us otherwise. I was talking to my daughter the other day and I said, you know, especially for black women, I don't know. You know, my question one day was, what do people want black women to be? We can't be WAP. That's bad. We can't be the scientists that worked on the COVID vaccine. Oh, she a sellout. We can't like, what are we supposed We don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, who him? It's so confusing. And again, I think of her at 23, 24, what is that, what messages is she getting? Because they're so contradictory. We are not allowed to be ourselves. We are not allowed to be sexual. We're not allowed to be intellectual. Everything is wrong. The girl with the gorilla glue in her hair, they talked about her so bad. You ain't never made a mistake in your life. You ain't never done nothing that probably you wouldn't, you know, you would be embarrassed about. 
she was looking for help. She got it. But it's like, I just really feel like we get so much scrutiny and yet we do so much work. We do so much heavy lifting, but get talked about the most. I'm about to start getting mad. <laughs> you know, we save the world and then we start doing <laughs> Save the world and become invisible. That's all. We supposed to save the world and sit back. Right. Okay, we uh they say too much and not enough all at the same time. Ooh. You're doing too much, you're too loud, you're too this, you're too that. So we're too much, but at the same time, we're not good enough, we're not this enough, we're not good enough for the job, we're not good enough for the man, we're not good enough for the promotion. It's like we it's yeah, we we just don't get a break here. <laughs> you don't get a break. And I think that is why self-care is important. Self-love is important because we do, we are, we are in such uh, always a state of like, I just feel like we're always sort of highly like guard is always up because we're trying to protect ourselves. And after a while, going back to that weathering comment you made, that starts to wear you down. You can't always live your life always like this. You got to be able to be soft sometimes, rest and let your guard down. And it's hard. I feel like that's the myth of the strong black woman, right? We're cursed with this being the strong black woman all the time, right? You know, we, we're not soft. We're not weak. Um, we can't be vulnerable because we got to, you know, have that our armor on and be out there. And I feel like that is such the wrong message <laughs> to be sending to young black women because it sets them up sets them up to create this world that, you know, once they get out there, white America is throwing back at you. You are too, as what uh, Trina just described, you are too much, right? That there's more that we can't handle all of that. You're too aggressive. You know, your tone, um, you name it, right? Your facial expressions. (laughs) And it's like, that and like you said, that is a toll on your self-esteem, on your you start to self-doubt and question, right? And that's where I feel like some of that imposter syndrome stuff come up, right? Because you can do it, you know you have it, but then you all the self-doubt and the self-questioning because everything else is like this is not where you're supposed to be, right? And so there's just so again, being able to carve out that space. I don't know what it was about. First, it was turning 40, then it was turning 45. But something about turning 50, I was like, hey, <laughs> however you get me, that's just what it is. And you either like it, love it, or you just leave it alone. <laughs> Boom. Boom. I love that. <laughs> a t shirt, like it, love it, leave it alone. Well, that's what happens at 50. I'm like, speed it up for me. <laughs> I just feel like what is it what does it mean to be a black woman and like in all of our fullness without the white gaze? I feel yeah. like that is where self-care is possible. It's like yes. the white gaze tell us that we're too loud, all the things and we're not good enough and we need to work harder and be twice as this. It's just like a lot of expectations placed on us. And it's like it's like in the comfort of our sisters, right? In the comfort of our family, in the comfort of our community. It's like, that's where we can and should be having the space to be like, like what Nomsa said, like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. <laughs> yes, I agree. 
Now, Nosa, we we are representative of three different decades. I, I looked up Trina's birthday. She's 30 in her 30s. I ain't going to put you out there. I'm in my 40s, and Nosa is, you know, on the other side of 40s. Because I don't want to put y'all. Y'all can declare your own ages. I'm not going to say that. But <laughs> I want to hear from Nosa because Nosa is, um, I first of all, highly respect my cousin Nosa. And um, always respect your wisdom and your thoughts about a lot of things. But Looking back, 30s, 40s, 20s, like, what does that journey look like? And again, and again I want to kind of circle back because I don't know if we touched it really well. How do we talk to our young our young daughters, our young our high schoolers, our 20-somethings about this self-care journey? So wondering just if, if, if you noticed that shift, and I think you kind of alluded to it already, how things shifted for you in, in regards to self-care and self-love. And then also what we can, what, what words of advice would you give um, to our young folks, our young women on how to kind of navigate? I will say, you know, in my 20s, I was, you know, 20s really was new mom finishing graduate school, first job. So really just trying to, you know, get my bearings and just trying to figure it out. Um, And, you know, I think both of you probably said this, you know, you have our children, we don't know what we're doing. And I realized I didn't know what I was doing, but I also felt like it's okay to not know what I'm doing, right? And the wisdom of those around me. So it was like, you know, I'm going to take with what I saw others do and <coughs> what worked and what didn't work. <coughs> Ooh, me and this cough. Child, you got the wrong number. <laughs> 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 What I thought, the things that felt good to me receiving it, those were the things I wanted to give to Mayanna. So Mayanna was always told she was smart. She was beautiful because I wanted her. And even though I did that, she still has body images. Even though I told her she was beautiful, I told her it's smart. It's just like once they get out in the world, they other things start to flood in. But I felt like I needed to continue to give her those messages, right? And I've always focused on, you know, school, career, future, but you got to have some fun up in there, right? So, you know, making sure there's trips or just downtime, fun time, right? So I think that's been created and creating a space where you feel like you can do that. But I didn't really, I will say my 40s was when I felt like, I came into my own was in my forties. Right. You got and, time, Trina. You got time. You got time. And I, it was interesting being around people that were like, oh no, 40 is downhill. I was so excited about going into my forties. I was around black women that were like doing stuff. And I'm like, they were older. And I was like, I can't wait to that. But it was something about 40. So between 40 and 45, I think I really started to come into my own and and really start to feel comp- I think my confidence level I feel like it's always been there um, <laughs> but like something about 40 it just I started to get a bit more settled 
right? Yeah. And it's like, and 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 felt okay, more okay with challenging the status quo, right? Uh, and really, I think started to be like, this is this is Nomsa. This is how Nomsa talks. This is how Nomsa, you know, this is how I am in a professional space. This is how I am outside of that. And so just moving with that. And the older I feel like I've gotten, I've just gotten more comfortable with that, right? And I'm not going to please everybody. And I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But I'm okay with not being everybody's cup of tea. And I think once we get to the place where it doesn't, everybody's thoughts and words don't play and dictate what's going on for me, right? The people I care the most about those are the people whose feelings, whose words mean the most to me. Um, and that's just, you know, those are the people that I want to, I want them to know I love them. I care about them. I'm there for them. If I hurt your feelings, I want you to tell me I hurt your feelings, but I'm never coming at you in a negative way. All any, all my words, all my actions for those that mean something to me, it is all about helping them. If there's something I can give you or if I something I see that's missing, I'm going to tell you. And if you come to me, be open to hearing, you know, the truth of how, my truth of how I'm. <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, it, it might be hard to swallow at first, but that's just that's just me. But I, my, my intention is always to see those that I care about achieve more, have more, be more. Absolutely. And I think that's why we always call Nosa. No, what, what you think about blah blah blah? Well, at least I do. <laughs> Let me text her to see what she thinks. And one of the things that you said um, really stuck with me when you talked about you really don't worry about what other people think of outside of your circle of people. Because I remember, and I talk about this in my book. I am, or I'm not going to say I am now. I was a people pleaser. I was always looking to make sure that I was doing what other people wanted me to do and behaving in a way that other people wanted me to behave. And, oh, oh my goodness, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. And as and to your point, when you get to 40, so Trina, look forward to it. It's like, I can't, I can't be worried about you. I, <laughs> like, I don't know what your problem is, but if you're not Andrea or like, you know, whoever else in this circle, I can't help you because <laughs> I got to take care of myself, you know, and it's interesting um, to have that shift. So I'm looking forward to shifting toward your your um, thought process, Nomsa and Trina. Now you got something to look forward to, you can, you know, get to that point where you're like, you know what? If you ain't in this circle, child, I ain't worried about you. <laughs> Be warned. <laughs> you, got about, you got about three, four years to get them ready to be prepared for the shit. I'll start practicing now. I think. There you go. Yes. There you go. There you I go. Think that's a good idea. You have full permission to do that. So yes. we are wrapping up. Any parting advice about self love, self care for our our viewers today, our Black women that may be struggling um, and trying to figure out how to carve this time out for self? Any thoughts as we close? It, I think you got to be committed, even if it is a small amount of time, right? It doesn't have to be hours or weekend, right? If you are able to, even if it's just the first thing in the morning to carve out just some time for you to get centered, I feel like you need to do that. 
that has been something that actually has been really helpful for me. And also at the end of the day, figuring out a way to be centered so you don't take all of that when you close your eyes at night. And I also think another way to, to keep loving yourself is separate toxic folks out of your life. Mm. Um, I think we got to get to a place to be surrounded about surrounded by folks that lift us, that that help you, also help you grow, but that don't wear you down to the place where you are not feeling good about yourself or anything else. So carve out, you got to force it, even if you got to put it on your calendar to give it to yourself, do that. Good idea. I actually have a, a journal. My daughter bought me a, a five-year journal and it's only a few lines per day. And it just allows you to kind of, you know, in a sense, leave everything on the table. Like I'm just going to write down how my day was, close that up and be done with it. And I think that's a really important strategy. Trina, any parting thoughts, tips? What do you, how do you manage your self-care and, and really focus on loving yourself that you could share with others? Yeah. I mean, the things that y'all shared are definitely a part of my practice. Um, I do like nighttime rituals because I'm not a morning person. Not at all. So I do mine at night. After I get out the shower. I take my time lotioning or oiling myself and like speaking life into myself. So I like really recommend like mantras or affirmations. You can write them yourself. You can pull a card. Um, but really like how do you speak life into yourself? Like I am love. I am lovable. I am worthy. I am deserving. I am beautiful. All of the things like Every doubt, every time you have a doubt about yourself, like find the affirmation to say in opposition to that doubt. If you think I'm not smart enough, you you manifest and you affirm, I am brilliant. I am brilliant. I am wise. Right. And so that's what I do. I try to continue because, you know, that little homegirl doubt, she just be creeping up and knocking on my door all the time when I don't believe yeah. in myself or trust myself. And so I have to continue to rock, remind myself, like, I am worthy. I'm smart. I got this. My, if I don't got it, my ancestors got it, you know? And so I just continue to remind myself that I have so much capability within myself. Um, and that doubt, I always be telling myself, doubt don't live here no more. That's right. No I love that. I love that. And I even love that you really talk about ancestors. And I know for me, I'm really big on that. I'm um, really thinking about the folks that have paved the way for, for me, folks that I have met and they have not met, folks that have touched me and, and or not that have really kind of pushed through and, and paved the way for who I am today. And, and I think it's really, <laughs> I think it's really, really important. Um, thank you both. It, this was a, a wonderful and amazing conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting for Liberation. I hope that something shared on this episode helps you on your journey to liberated parenting. To learn more about our other episodes, check out our website at www.parentingforliberation.org backslash podcast. Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you give us a good review. Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed, no more back with thinking, time for thinking ahead.